I love the different ways that we worship here at Southfield. And one of the ways, if you haven't noticed, nobody likes to sit in the front row at church, right? That's a totally different story with Southfield. Our students take over the first row. And right before, right before the first song is going, I'm seeing shuffling so that everybody can actually cram into the first row. So cool. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, welcome to Southfield. Uh, my name is Brian. And I'd like to direct your attention to the bulletin that you received on your way in. Uh, it's got all kinds of announcements, so be sure to check that out. It uh, t- tells you all about who Southfield it, uh, is, what we do, who we are. And again, that middle, that middle column is full of um, announcements that you should check out. On the inside is a card. If you're a regular Southfielder, you know all about the card. But if you're not, we'd like you to fill it out. Uh, everybody, take the card out, fill it out, and drop it in the offering when it's passed later in the service. Uh, again, it's just an opportunity for us to know that you're here. Uh, to know a little bit about you, and then any prayer requests. Because, so, again, we're a family, and uh, we, want, we want to know uh, what's going on in your life. Well, without further ado, we are going to start our summer series. And we've been uh, spending time the last few summers going through and just hitting certain topics heavily. Uh, we, we just dive in. The summer series um, a few years ago was called Dive. Uh, and the past two years, so last year and this year, we've been looking at uh, a work... Um, a book done by uh, John Ortberg. John is a uh, very biblically sound guy, uh, and he's got a lot of great teaching. So without me trying to explain anymore, I'm just going to let him do the talking. Uh, So we've got a video to kick us off. Life is filled with divine opportunities. But we have to learn, how do you recognize them and how do you seize them? You know, the Bible is just full of stories of people who were given a divine opportunity by God, but it was their response, their yes or their no, that would end up shaping their lives. For years, what I was doing was so conflicting with what my heart wanted to do. I've had a gratifying career, but I've gotten further and further away from things that really mattered to me and where I thought I could make a difference. Everything that I had depended on was now taken away. It was me in smooth wilderness with God. An open door does not mean that all will be pleasant and smooth on the other side. Sometimes the open doors God wants us to go through require hardship and struggle. He meets human beings at the threshold of every open door. The magic of the open door is not the new circumstance or job or location or accomplishment. It's being with Him. It was in those times of prayer that God reminded me, man, I can take care of them and I love them more than you do. You know, we are making a difference. We are able to impact them for the better. When you hear those things, it makes all the hard work all worth it. I live for changing the world where I can have an effect. I'm always... And help other men find the same life that I've got to live. I'm always trying to be aware that God is watching me. But I'm serving it in Jesus' name. And when it's all finished and done with, I want him to say, well done. It is a divinely opened door, a door intentionally, thoughtfully, purposefully, deliberately opened by God himself. This door is symbolic of boundless opportunities, of unimagined chances to do good, to make your life count for eternity. An open door is the great adventure of life because it means the possibility of doing something that's actually useful to the God of eternity. All the places to go, how will you know? 
You know, if you're a pastor and you're trying to determine the call of God in your life, it's amazing how many times you feel incredibly called to Colorado, Hawaii, Florida, you know, of course. I mean, those words come up, it's got to be the will of God. It's just got to be the will of God. Um, This is a series that we're breaking into in large part because of where we are in our own life, in our family life. Uh, 21 years ago this month, we came here. And if you remember the summer of 1995, it was a little warm. It was warm enough, in fact, that some people died in Chicago from the heat. We moved our stuff into a house on Avalon uh, on the day that it was 106 degrees. And we're moving and sweating and, you know, like, okay, here we are. This is exciting. We got our, I'm there, Kim's there, all of 32 years old. She's three months older than me then, just like she is now. And, uh, you know, and yes, yeah, she is, older woman. And, um, and then uh, Brian was, was five, about to enter kindergarten. Shelly was the cutest, sweetest three-year-old in the history of humanity. We're ready. We're ready to get going in this new place. We were in St. Louis. We loved being there. And then this opportunity came up. And so we're trying to determine, is this where God wants us? How do you know? I mean, there are so many good choices of all the places to go. How do you know that this is the place? And so one of the things that I did literally the night before we made the phone call to say, yeah, we're coming, I spent the night in prayer, stayed awake, you know, hoping maybe, although it hadn't happened at that point in my life, hoping maybe that I'd hear the voice of God, that God would say, Joliet, Bethel, Black Road, Roger and Janet Swank, come on, join them, go, go. And instead, I just had a really good night of prayer. And what happened the next day as I made that phone call is I was confident that I had spent time talking to God. And just being, being absolutely clear that, yes, I believe this is where God wants us to go ahead and spend our future. Well, 21 years later, our kids are, are breaking into some future moves of their own. It'll be toward the end of this month that Brian and Riley will be getting married. Uh, this is them in their new apartment. Brian moved in. Riley will be moving in at the end of the month when they're married. And, and they're ready to start an exciting life together. And marriage is one of those areas that you kind of go, okay, God, who am I supposed to marry? I mean, if I, if I have the math, Brian had about three billion choices, and, and Riley had about three billion choices. And How do you know this is the person? How do you know this is the one? How do you know this is God's will? I mean, you look at him and you go, cute couple, I guess that's it. They'll make cute babies. I guess that, I don't, how do you know? How do you know that you're supposed to marry this person? How do you know for certain that this is the one. And then you have uh, the littlest, Nate. Nate is about to move at the end of the summer to, to, to school in Abilene, Texas. He's going to be spending time as a Texas boy. And, I, you know, I shouldn't be surprised. I got to admit, of, of all the moves my kids are making this summer, this is the one that brings me right to the edge of cheers really fast. Because, I mean, you know, Brian went two hours away to school. Shelly went an hour away, hour and a half away. And, and he's going like 13 hours. I can't just jump in the car, drive down, and solve his problems. He's actually going to have to figure it out. But, but he worked at Menards, so he has all the answers. I mean, he should be just fine, right? Why Abilene? 
Why, why that school? I mean, I got to admit, ever since every one of these kids has been born, we've said, escape Madagascar, leave Illinois. He's the one kid that's actually taking us up on the advice. So, so he's headed there, but, but how do you know? How do you know that's where you're supposed to go? How do you know that's what you're supposed to do? Middle kid. Shelly, at the end of the summer, will begin teaching as a junior high math teacher. At the junior high, she went to school to, as a kid. And if you'd have said five years ago to her, uh, Shell, you're going to be a junior high math teacher, she would not have been a happy girl. She would have been pretty upset with that. She wanted to be a high school math teacher. That's where she was going. That was what she believed God was calling her to do. And last year, as she was looking for those math openings, and she went down to Reed Custer and served as a math interventionist. And while she's there working with these kids, guess what? Something starts to wake up in her heart, and she goes, oh, my word, I think God's calling me to work with junior hires. I think I'm actually more gifted and cut out for that than for high schoolers. I imagine if last year she'd have got that high school job, she might have missed out completely on this opportunity. But how does she know? How does she know here? How does she know math? How does she know, you know that this is what God desires for her? I, all the places you could go, how in the world do you know? And it's quite possible that you're in the middle of a decision of your own. A job opportunity is out there and you're weighing it out. Maybe you're just feeling itchy, restless. There's, you're like, man, there's, there's got to be something else out there. Maybe you're in the middle of something that you have to make a decision. For most of us, we talk in terms of God's will when it comes to a biggie decision. I mean, I don't know many people that, that go to the snack cabinet and say, Cheetos, popcorn, Lord. <laughs> you know, I, we, we, just, we just eat. But, but when it comes to these big ones, marriage and college and, and where do I live and what do I do with my life, we tend to say, God, there's got to be some way for me to know that this is what you want me to do. How in the world will you know? Well, here's one thing I know for certain. God has not left us without help. He's given us the ability to know his desires. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is Peter who hung out with Jesus Peter, who, who, who is there on the beach, hearing the call of Jesus once again after he had uh, denied him. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Do you hear those words? Everything you need. He's not left you without all the tools and resources you need to live a godly life, to be able to make good decisions, to be able to make the best decisions. He's given us all the things we need. You know, I think for a lot of us, we kind of wander the earth thinking, there's got to be a secret key, there's got to be a hidden book, there's got to be somewhere we can find the answer, and, and God's saying, I've already given you everything. I've given you all the resources you need, and, and that's what we'll be talking about this summer. What are the resources God has given us in order to make really good decisions when those open doors come our way? There's a word that I like to use when it comes to the will of God, because I think when we talk God's will, for some people, if you've been a Christian for a long time, when you hear the will of God, certain pictures and images come to your mind. You have a, you have a way of thinking about the will of God that's kind of a rut. And so I like to use a little bit different word, and that's the word discernment. God has given you the ability to discern. God has given you the ability to make decisions, to make good choices. One writer describes discernment this way. He says, discernment is nothing more than the ability to decide between truth and error, right and wrong. Discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth. 
So one piece of discernment, if you have the gift of discernment, there's there's actually a a spiritual gift of discernment, you have a great sniffer when it comes to truth and error. You're able to distinguish the difference between what is truthful and what is false. But beyond that, we're all given the responsibility to discern, to be able to make good judgments. I love this definition. Discernment is the ability to think biblically about all areas of life. I think we get really hung up. We kind of get a brain cramp when we sit there trying to think through the details of, should I take this job or this job? Should I marry this person or this person? We get, we get, really, we get really kind of locked when we're thinking through the decisions that way. What if we thought differently? What if we said, in my life, I just want to develop the ability to think biblically, to make good biblical decisions to make decisions that are based on the principles that I find in the Word of God. What's your discernment process? What's the process you use in your life for figuring out what God wants you to do, what path you're supposed to take, what open door you're supposed to walk through? Now, I want to do a little bit of a survey, kind of brief, but a little bit of a survey running through the Bible, looking at people in the Bible and looking at their discernment process. What was the process they used in order to figure out God's desire for them? How did these people know? How did they know what God wanted? If you were to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and Abraham, Abraham's discernment process goes something like this. God spoke to him directly and he said, Stand up from where you are, start walking, stop when I tell you. Just start walking. Which, you know, sounds like a great discernment. I would love that if God would just say, hey, you're supposed to move now. I'll tell you where to land. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm hearing the voice of God. But really think through this practically. Abraham's 75 years old. Most 75-year-olds are saying, I'm ready to settle in. I like it right where I am. They're not saying, I'm ready for the big adventure. I'm ready, I'm ready for the trip of a lifetime. So for Abraham, his discernment process really was hearing the direct voice of God say, I want you to go until I say stop. Part of what I love about that is that God didn't tell him where he was going to end up. He just said, start walking. And I think that's true for a lot of us when it comes to discerning God's desire for our life. I, I, I don't know about you, but this is the way I've been wired in my life. God, if you'll just tell me where I'm landing, I'll be glad to go through anything i got to do to get there. And he's like, you just don't get it, dude. It's about the process. It's not about the landing spot. It's about what I want to take you through to grow you, not necessarily about the destination. And so we see Abraham being taken along the path the journey of trust. You know, if you look at Joseph in in Genesis chapter 37, his discernment process was a dream. God gave him a a couple of agricultural dreams, dreams that I think most of us, if we had them, we'd go, what was that? I mean, we just, we got corn bowing, all this stuff. I don't get it. But Joseph got it immediately. He got it so well that he told his brothers, hey, you're the stalks, you bow, and I'm going to rule. And that does not make them happy. And here's what I love about Joseph's discernment process, that even though he had the dream at 17 years old, he knew what God was going to do with his life. It's only until he's 30 that the dream is realized. And for 13 years, it looks as if he is on the wrong path. How many times have you made a major life decision you thought, this is what God wanted me to do, and you were about three steps in, and, and death and destruction happens all about, and you go, I certainly did the wrong thing. I certainly went the wrong direction. I made the wrong decision. Undo this fast. 
I suspect that there were points as Joseph is sitting in slavery and sitting in prison that he goes, maybe I just did not understand that dream correctly. Maybe I got that thing wrong. But again, the process took him to the place. Moses. I think Moses is one of my favorites. Moses in the burning bush. Every person, when they become a Christian, should get two things. You should get salvation and you should get a shrub. You know? And you put that shrub up on your dresser and that shrub talks to you. That shrub tells you, do this, don't do that, Cheetos, whatever. It, it tells you so that you know what to do. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have something that just told us directly, this is what you're supposed to do. This is where you're supposed to go. You know, look at that burning bush incident for just a moment. Moses has a burning bush speaking to him that he clearly knows is God. He takes his shoe off, and what does he do? He argues with the bush. He has a fight with a shrub. He says, no, that can't be what you want. Certainly I don't want to do that. There's got to be someone else. Please get me out of this. We think that we would do anything as long as we heard the clear voice of God. And time after time after time in the Bible, people get the clear voice of God and they say, not so much. No, thank you. I want something else. I want someone else. Gideon. Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Gideon uses a method that I think a lot of Christians use, the fleece method. God, if you're into this, do this for me. So he puts his cotton ball out and he says, if the cotton ball's wet and the ground is dry, I'll know you're talking. And then he says, well, wait a second, let's just check this again. How about dry cotton ball wet? Listening to the podcast. I just gave you the answer to the world's problems. <clears throat> Let's go to the New Testament. Kind of a similar fleece deal. Uh, Judas is dead. They're down to 11 apostles. They need to add a guy. They come with two guys. And I love this. In that passage, it tells us they prayed. They were intense in the presence of God. They prayed. And they discerned that these are two people of really godly character. And then what do they do? They cast lots to determine which one. Magic dice, boom, here. Oh, it's him. And I know what's happened. A whole bunch of you are going to go to home Amazon today. You're going to click Book of Acts, lots. Can I get some lots to be able to make decisions? I, I think what we miss is we see that they cast lots, but we miss that they spent a lot of time in prayer. They spent a lot of time in the presence of God, and they actually spend the time using their wisdom and the discernment to come to two people of incredibly great character who would be incredibly wonderful apostles. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira have an interesting discernment process. They do wrong, they're struck dead. I'd avoid that one. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we have the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul because, because his approach, and, and Erwin, McManus, Erwin McManus is the one that brought this up a few years ago in a sermon that he taught. He said, the Apostle Paul's approach is go until you get a no. Just keep going until you get a no. So he goes to one city and it says, and the Spirit of God stopped me. So he went to another city and the Spirit of God stopped me. He went to another place and the Spirit of God stopped me. And he's like, he's like I'm going to keep moving Unless God says, stop, I'm going to keep at it. The Apostle Paul, of all the people we've looked at today, really reinforces what we're going to talk about this summer, and that is the idea of the open door. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, he says to the people to whom he's speaking, pray that God 
will make a wide open door for the gospel. Give me that wide open door that I might be able to proclaim the word of God with God's giving us. And so we're looking for those open doors all the time, the opportunities God's giving us to walk through and join him in doing the thing that he's doing in this world. So that's how they knew. How do we know? How do we know what God wants? And here's what I've got to resist. I have a bunch of people that are going to tag team with me in presenting uh, the material that we're going through this summer. And I don't want to pre-preach their sermon. I want to make sure they have something to say, all right? But I want to, I want to at least give you an idea up front of how can we know God's desire for our lives. Now, let's go back to that First Peter passage again. By his divine power, God has given us everything for living a godly life. Look at the next part. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Here's the first thing that's so important in knowing what God wants. You need to know God. It, we get real fixated on the choice, the decision, the this or a that, rather than missing the fact that God just wants us to know him. And the more we know him, the more we'll have a good idea of what he wants, what he desires. I've been married for 31 years. I would say nowadays, if someone were to ask me what Kim wants, I'd probably get it right 93% of the time. 7% she just likes to keep life fun. But 93% of the time, if you were to ask me what sandwich she wants, where she wants it from, what color she wants on the wall, beige, what, you know, whatever... I, <laughs> You can ask me, I'll be able to tell you with some confidence. First year was a little bit more of an adventure. I thought I knew her until I'd say, I think this is what she'd want. And I'd get that squirrely, scrunched face. Who are you? Who? What? No. And that, that's a lot of, you know, we're in a relationship with God. Guess what? That's the way it works. You get to know God. And as you get to know God, there are times that you'll know full well, God would never want that. He'd never want that. Or that, that is the heartbeat of God right over there. So God wants us to get to know him. I could probably almost just put a period right there at end. Because honestly, I think for most of us, we are really stuck on knowing, should I do this or should I do that? Do I want this or do I want that? When what we really should be saying is, God, do I know you? Do I know you well enough? Can I know you better? Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So there's something going on up here. God wants to change us in, in that relationship with him. He wants to bring about a change in our mind and heart. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we begin with knowing God, but then beyond that, you need to know God's word and you need to know God's ways. You just spend time immersing yourself in what he said in his word. And as you're immersing yourself in that, you start to see the way God works. You start to see the patterns of the way he does things. And we get to know him better by knowing his word and knowing his ways. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 20 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Here's the third piece of this. Do what you can know. A lot of people are really frustrated because they don't know if God wants this or that. But God's put some things in black and white that he does want and that he doesn't want, and we tend to violate those. 
We need to cling to what is good and reject what is evil. Don't be even bothering trying to figure out the big decisions in life if you're rejecting, embracing what is good and pushing away what is evil. A huge piece of the will of God is his moral will. He's given us black and white. This is what I love. This is what I don't want. Follow what I love. First, First Corinthians chapter 2. Paul reads, writes these beautiful words, starting in verse 9. However, as it is written, however, as it is written, no eye has seen what no ear has heard, and what no human mind can conceive, the things God prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us. How? By his spirit. God wants to use his spirit in your life to show you the direction he wants you to go. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one can know the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So there's this relationship going on with the Spirit that helps us to know the mind of God. He goes on to say, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. So what is the Bible saying here? If you want to know what God wants, let the Spirit guide you. Enter into that relationship with the Spirit of God. That The Spirit is guiding you. And in the process, what you're doing, another way to say it, you're sharing the mind of Christ. You're thinking the way Jesus would think. You're thinking biblically. And as you're thinking biblically, as you're sharing the mind of Christ, as you're following what the Spirit's guidance is, you're going to make the decisions God's calling you to do. Now you come to that end of, the, end of that passage and we read verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. It says just continue to develop the mind of Christ in your own life. Would you look at that verse one more time? Because I want you to catch that first part. Who has known the mind of Lord of the Lord so as to instruct him. Here's what we know about the will of God. There are things that God is going to reveal clearly. He's going to say, this is the path. This is what I want. This is the direction you're going to go. And there are going to be things that are just going to be an absolute mystery. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? As it comes to knowing the will of God, let me give you this last one. Be okay with what you can't know. There are some things you can't know. But boy, we want to know. We want to, I mean, we, we got to know, right? I got to know. And what God is saying is, sometimes it's not about the knowing, it's about the trusting the one who knows. It's about growing more and more in the relationship with the one who knows. So again, you go back to the story of Joseph. Joseph knew what the end result was going to be, but he had to have been incredibly confused about his relationship with God in the process. Am I being punished for my sin? Have I done something wrong? What's going on here? Why the slavery? Why the imprisonment? Be okay with what you can't know. Some things cannot be known. Can I be okay with that? Or am I just going to be so frustrated that I can't know that too? 
Because what God is doing in the process of revealing his will to us is he's developing trust. Will you trust me? Not are you the best decision maker in the world. Not do you have a gift of discernment that's higher than anybody else you know. But do you trust God intimately? Completely? Or are you God in your life and you have to know everything? So that gives you an idea of where we're going this summer. As I said, a lot of it's going to be about open doors, and you're going to be hearing some different voices. This might be a, a little tough to see from where you are, but if you want to go ahead and get on the website, you can see the schedule of where we'll be going. Next week, we'll be just be talking about the open door, that open door that lays before us, and John Beaker will be sharing with us on that. And then the week after, Jason Aubrey will be coming. I love this, this topic for him, the doors we open for others. What does a coach do but open doors for other people so that they can experience success and experience the will of God in their own life. On July 31st, we'll be talking about door number one or door number two. You see, a lot of times the frustration that we have with the choices in our life is that we have two really good choices. I mean, if it's a good choice and a bad choice, that's not really hard. But what, when, what do you do when it's two really great choices? And that week we'll be hearing from Ben Mott. Ben's the president of Greenlight Conference Center where our kids just were. So he'll be coming. I'm sure he's going to be coming in part to say a thank you to all of you who's coming in part to be at a wedding, but that's, that's another piece altogether. And uh, the thing people always love about Ben, he grew up in England, so he's got that beautiful British accent, pulls out the phone book, starts to read, and y'all go, he is brilliant. He is brilliant. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then as we keep going, uh, John will be coming back again to talk about crossing the threshold on a decision. Then Brian will be coming to talk about something to do with Jonah and, and decision-making. And Don Yost will be coming to speak for the first time. Uh, thanks, thank God for closed doors and talking about the doors that get closed along the way. And then we'll wrap it up again at the end of August. So, so you have this nice path that we'll be walking along and just talking about ways the open doors God places before us. If you want to, uh, as, as Brian already mentioned, this is part of a, a book that John Orberg put together uh, talking about all the ways to go. How can you know? So if you are in one of these places in your life right now that you're really trying to make some decisions, you may find that to be a great supplement. Uh, we're not going to just be you know, reading the book on Sunday morning, so you don't have to worry. Each of these people will be taking their, their topic and scripture in a different direction that will really be eye-opening, and then from there, uh, if you want to supplement with that as well. And then summer's, you know, the reality of summer, vacations and everything else, so uh, if you miss, you can go hit this page, click the podcast, and there will be times that you'll miss things because the batteries die, and that's usually when the most brilliant things are said. But anyway, um, just give you an idea of what's coming up this summer. So we are going to go ahead and um, participate in communion in just a couple moments. Two tables in the front and two in the back that we'll walk to when that time comes. But before we go there, Brian's going to be reading from Psalm 139 in a translation that, that really opens our eyes and helps us to hear the fact that, that God cares about every little detail of your life. Again, this is from Psalm 139. I'm actually going to encourage you guys to just close your eyes. Don't fall asleep, but close your eyes and just listen. Pick out something, whether it's a line, a word, uh, a message, whatever it is, pick it out, and then as soon as I'm done reading, we're going to have about 30 seconds to just sit in silence and reflect on that one thing that you're able to pull out. <clears throat> Lord, you know everything you know about me. You've examined my innermost being with your loving gaze. 
You perceive every movement of my heart and soul and understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a father's blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings, brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where can I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me, for your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There's no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed my every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing into something. You saw who you created me to be before I even became me. Before I had ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me was already recorded in your book. Every single moment, you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still thinking of me. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. It's everlasting. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Thanks for uh, having us be quiet and to close our eyes. Uh, the in intimate awareness really hit me, that God is intimately aware of everything going on uh, in me and around me, and that really, it made for a, a really moving, meaningful time of communion. So thanks for that. Uh, our servers are going to come right now to receive your offering. While we do, we have a, a few things to talk about. Brian, catch us up on students. Just It's a little different the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, so this week, uh, we're Wednesday again, so Revive is off this afternoon. Uh, Refuge is off this upcoming Wednesday. Next week, we'll get back into our summer schedule, so Revive will meet from noon to 2, right after church, and Refuge will meet um, Wednesday night. Part of the reason we're taking off today is because there's a lot of our students involved in camp, uh, and there's actually a meeting at 12.30. So if you are involved in camp in any way, shape, or form, whether you're uh, a bench crew person or a small group leader or uh, you're just waiting to throw things at kids, whatever your role is in camp, 
Uh, we need you here at 12.30 for a, a big staff meeting. So again, we'll get back to semi-normal next week with students, um, and then, yeah. And even though there's no group, we will be doing a chair rip-down today because of, because of uh, camp. So yeah, a lot of great stuff going on this week. If you're involved in camp, I know you're excited, and if you're not, we're of course just really anxious that you continue to pray with us through what's going to be a really, really cool week. I mean, a lot of creativity already represented in just this set, and this isn't the only set. There are going to be, like, different ones every day. I got a kick out of this, so they, they made these awesome rocks. I mean, I got to show you one of these. They're not too heavy, um, but so I, Lisa Kyle shows me this yesterday, and she said, do you recognize this? Well, these are the containers my embryo comes in. So I, I was kind of blown away by, wow, you made, made a rock out of my medicine container in crab. And that's the kind of stuff that's been going on around here, you know, just all kinds of different, really incredible creativity. So uh, kids, got, you got a chance to meet these guys last week. Here, let's just show them one more time. Uh, these characters are going to be having a lot of fun with the kids this week at different points. And got to watch some of the run through yesterday of the of the skit that they're going to be skits that they're going to be doing. And boy, it involves creative video and everything else. So uh, I just think it's it's going to be a really great week. And part of what's really cool, we set out, you know, done camp for a few years, so we wanted to make sure that we we jumped in by faith, and at the same time we didn't like go crazy. We said, let's go ahead and plan on a hundred kids. Let's just kind of make that the plan, plan for that, and that'll give us a good chance to get our feet on the ground, figure this thing out, and and. And uh, as of yesterday, the registration was at 101. So we, got, we had that one extra kid, which is really, really great. And they'll be treated extra special. Yeah. So anyway, it's gonna, we're looking forward to that. So the other thing we want to talk about is, is what's going to be happening here on July 30th, yeah. which again, you know, you know by now, July 30th, 3 o'clock, we're going to be having a wedding here. And um, it's kind of funny. There isn't a Miss Manners out there for pastors. You know, something that tells you, like, what's wedding etiquette? How do you work this out? See, here's, here's my problem. We've been here 21 years, and you're like our family. So how do you, how do you, what do you do? I mean, if we start just sending out invitations to everybody, someone's going to get one, someone's not. Before you know it, people are going to be hunting Grace and Lamonic Village and all the other great churches in the area and all that. And so, so here's, here's, the, here's the Solomonic decision we came to. We just decided to invite everybody, all right? So if you want to come to the wedding, you know where it is. July 30th at 3 o'clock, you can come and be a part of that. And then we'll have a cake reception afterward. Uh, Brandon and Michelle just had their wedding, and Tyler and Noel just had their wedding, and they offered us their extra cake. So um, <laughs> we'll have all the cake you could want. And uh, we just, we really, if you want to be a part of that day, we don't want you to miss being a part of that day. So... So consider yourself invited. I know some of you are a little bummed now because you were relieved. You thought you got out of that one. But anyway, um, it, won't, it won't be too long. The pastor is a very brief speaker. So yeah, you can come join us. Yeah, just Riley and I, uh, again, we'd, we'd love for, if that's something you want to do, uh, to come join us on that day. Because again, like you said, 21 years, I mean, it, all of my conscious memory has been with this family. And while it's changed and everything throughout the years, uh, you guys just mean so much to us and just uh, being a part of our lives. So again, if you want to come join us uh, for the ceremony, that'd be great. Um, unfortunately, the, the reception is, we are, we are locked into a solid number there because Riley has about 199 family members, uh, and we have space for 200 people at the reception. So I had to pick between my mom and my dad. Um, I'm flipping a coin later to figure that out. <laughs> uh, but no, again, we would just love, um, if, you, if you want to come share in the, in the ceremony with us, that'd be really great. And we don't want gifts. Our, our gift is just honestly being with you guys uh, because you guys, uh, you do mean so much to, to us. So if you've been wondering, there's the answer. Go ahead and stand. We're going to pray as we leave today.
Well, God, we are about to walk through a wide open door. A wide open door of a world of opportunities. Places you're calling us to settle in and get involved. Sometimes it's just a, a one-time thing, and other times it's, a, it's something that literally lasts for decades. Help us to have wide open ears to your call. To share the mind of Christ. No. To listen to the Spirit. To think biblically. To know you. And this week, God, we have this wide open door. And kids are going to come through our door. Some for whom the word Jesus means nothing. He's a stranger. And others who have heard his name again and again and again and again, but still haven't necessarily engaged with you. This week, God, this week, let there be a mighty movement of your spirit in this place. Let hearts open wide to your call. Your call to salvation, your call to live a life that pleases God. This world is hopelessly broken. And the only hope we have is a generation of kids who will rise up and embrace Jesus. Let that start here. With great power, let that start here, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You enjoy your week. We'll see you.